Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Tell me why I shouldn't kill you and your followers right now. My followers aren't responsible. If you do, you'll be dead within the year. The prodigy speaks. So speak. Your agent, Gerald, asked me to check Dr. Selden's work. I went a little farther in the equation. If you kill him, the fall accelerates. Well, that's a convenient data point for your side. Only he can shorten the darkness. Kill him, you kill hope. Kill hope. They kill you. Right, that's Foundation. New episodes every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. James Dempsey joins us once again. Good afternoon, James. Good afternoon. Uh, this is, this is there. I mean, this, I suppose, first off, this is based on, on the books by Isaac Asimov and other people wrote versions of it yeah. as well, I think, afterwards. Uh, and there seemed to be a general uh, uh, feeling that these books were unfilmable. I would say that's down to like both it being this big grandiose sci-fi opera, but also the you know the the writing period of them being about fifty years yeah. <laughs> as well. I think he started in the nineteen fifties, and I think the last of them were added in the nineties. So uh, there's just a lot of them, right? Mm. Put it that way. And I think you know I I wasn't even that familiar. I I knew I, I knew the name Isaac Asimov, and I decided to read the first Foundation before this came out. And um, I got about halfway through and I am enjoying it. But I must say, this is nothing like the book. Well, I mean, this is obviously not entirely true. The book is much, much barer because it was written as a series of like um, uh, a serialized form for yes, for, yeah. a, for a magazine. Mm. So it's not exactly this or certainly the first one anyway, isn't this huge, huge epic, you know, space opera. And this very much is. But that's not that surprising when you see that the person who adapted this is David S. Goyer, who uh, is a screenwriter, uh, probably a director at some point, but uh, he he recently had his fingerprints all over Man of Steel and taking Superman in the direction that uh, Warner Brothers took Superman in the last sort of 10 years, which a lot of people liked and an awful lot of people didn't like. And you can kind of see a sort of parallel between the view of Krypton in that whole movie series and kind of vaguely what's going on here. I want to say it is a beautiful piece of television, right? And it uh, is a triumph to the studios in Limerick, uh, uh, Troy Studios in Limerick, where, where it was shot because it looks stunning and the real winner if this happens to go on to become like a Game of Thronesy breakout hit which based on the two episodes I've seen I don't quite think it has I don't I don't think it's going to be that yet but if I'm proven wrong and I may well be mm. uh, it's going to be great for Trinity College because uh, the library the long room library features very very heavily in the first episode and it's just going to drive a whole new generation of tourists towards that uh, and summertime a fun time for the students there but basically it's this huge as I said space opera it's set it's about this mathematician named Harry uh, Selden, who's played by Jared Harris, who has used maths. And there's a lot of like, did the maths, do you know the maths? Is it the maths or the maths right or the maths, 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 right? Or math, I should actually say. Um, and he is predicting the fall of this huge galactic empire that spreads across a thousand worlds. And his he says it's going to happen within 500 years. The, um, the, the planet, the, the sort of central planet of the empire is going to collapse. And then there's going to be 30,000 years of chaos. And only by uh, 
through his actions and the actions of his followers can that 30,000 years of chaos be reduced to 1,000 years of chaos so ultimately and that's by setting up some sort of repository of knowledge yes Yes. so they are going to set up the Encyclopedia Galactica Um, I guess you have to imagine this was written in the 1950s (laughs) (laughs) try selling that one door to door (laughs) so uh, into the fray comes um, Gail Dornick who is actually written as a man a white man in the books but has been cast as uh, this um, I think she's an unusual heritage I think she's Portuguese Namibian something like that her name is Lou Lobel Yobel I'm not quite sure how the double L is pronounced there Um, and she is arguably the breakout star of this she is certainly the most interesting character and is very much fleshed out in ways that she is not in the book or certainly not in you know as far as I've gotten into the first novel mm. anyway so she comes from this planet where where uh, you know science is outlawed and uh, there's a, a different kind of religion where the stones are placed inside their faces etc etc and all that kind of wor- world building I thought was very well established and interesting and, uh, and, and as I said just stunning to look at and there's a huge action set piece that is entirely really CGI in the first episode that is sort of this breathtaking moment but I also found it just a little bit plodding right like you know obviously this isn't Game of Thrones this isn't fantasy this Mm -hmm. is science fiction but this is Apple's big attempt to try and get some kind of you know uh, water cooler type yeah, of sure. big opera show operatic themes with action and, and dare doing and backstabbing and the thing about Game of Thrones that make, made it so successful was not only was it like bloodthirsty and violent but it was often really really funny yeah right yeah and the 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 storytelling when you had multiple storylines going at the same was so deftly done. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is not funny basically at all. I mean, they're mm. okay, of course there are jokes but they come so few and far between that really it just felt for me um, not, it, there was no lightness of touch to this at all. Everything about it was just look at all the money we have right (laughs) and and certainly look and and that's not to say that a big flashy show like this shouldn't have a load of money right there you know the 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 effects were fantastic the costumes are beautiful the world building is interesting and all that but it just it has no levity it has no lightness to it at all certainly not really in the first two episodes and the storyline is going to is going to get increasingly sort of complicated jumping between timelines I just don't know kind of if it has enough air in it to kind of really capture an audience in the way that sort of something like Game of Thrones did. Yeah. Uh, the and the, 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 but, the, but I suppose it's a science fiction world. Is it a bit like his Dark Materials type world? Um, yeah, yes and no. It is kind of... So my understanding is Asimov wrote this as a sort of um, like a, his kind of version of the fall of the Roman Empire, right? Yeah, so you have to yeah. imagine that this empire is... Uh, it's you know it's made up of all these cloned kings played pay, played one of them the main one really played by Lee Pace who is this six foot five American actor who has the stature and really can play a villain extremely well and it is it's sort of it, it's sort of vaguely techno futuristic but also retro past as well if you get me okay. it, it's bridging some kind of yeah. strange gap there where they're walking around in robes but they're also jumping through space <laughs> at the speed of light or beyond right yeah. so it, it, it is a sort of a slightly muddled future retro futurism um, but as I said the world building is not the problem right the world building is you know it is so stunningly designed uh, the production design is brilliant and I will say uh, you know <laughs> this is such an odd thing but you know when, I, when the 
second episode ended and you're looking at all the I, I thought a third one was coming so I was waiting for Apple TV to just force it onto my screen and I was looking at the credits and the amount of Irish names you see in the credits is a, a tribute to this production because when it was announced that this was going to film it is the biggest production ever made in this country employing more than 500 people so it is you know this is yeah. I, 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 I want this to be a success story I just I'm not quite sure it's ever going to be the TV gold that I think Apple wants it to be Yeah So but is, is essentially then a story kind of about politics in the sense that these mathematicians want to set up this foundation yes. and other people don't want them. Very, to. very much so. It's about the sort of war between Harry Seldon, Jared Harris and uh, and the and the empire w- w- of which there are three cloned kings of the same king always mm. in rotation known as Brother Day, Brother Dusk and Brother Dawn, I think, in not the correct order. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and um, basically it is about the war between the pair, of, you know, between Harry Seldon and his sort of acolytes who in the first episode leave this central planet to go off and set up the foundation. And then the ongoing war with these two other renegade planets who then break free roughly sort of 35 years in the future and it, 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 when if you're reading the novel and certainly when you're watching this it is a parable for like the fall of a, a society that that is ripe for this moment you know as we're looking down the sort of climate change mm-hmm. catastrophe potentially to come and um, it, it, it's about inaction and the failure to sort of react and, and how a society moves forward when the end is in sight really and, and those are all big 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 huge huge lofty themes and it it can really pull them off I assume or I hope but I just want there to be a few jokes <laughs> along yeah, the way. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just yeah. to break it up a bit. It sounds a bit like, you know, when you strip away all the kind of science fiction aspects, it's about an academic trying to get a grant, uh, <laughs> which isn't, uh, as a central dramatic thesis, uh, mightn't be, mightn't have all that. Uh, the big scene he is talking about is the elevator explosion and drop. It's not all CGI, according to this texter. They took the route of more practical stunts during the series, so a lot of background CGI was added post-production, but the physical stuff is all done by Stunt Guild Ireland members. Well, fair so, play to them. Uh, fair juice to them. Right, okay. Uh, we'll uh, move on to our second show of the day. It is Why the Last Man. New episodes drop every Wednesday on Disney+. Plus. Here's a clip. I can get him out of here. Take him to Dr. Mann. Keep him out of sight. Or we scrap the whole thing, go to Ohio, find Beth, and then then the scientists can do whatever she wants. All eyes are on you right now. And if there's a political fight, a power play, he makes you vulnerable. I... He makes this whole building vulnerable. What about the pilots? Wait, 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 wait. Hey, we need to talk about this. I'll deal with the pilots. Boston's been hard to contain. Violence, looting, we don't know what you'll be walking into. I can handle it. Um, hi, maybe I don't want to go to Lawless Boston. No one leaves this building without clearance. Security checkpoints every 50 feet. I can get him out of here, but it has to be now and before anyone Mom, listen, I have been out there. This isn't a good idea. You think I want this? I just got you back from the dead. Right, that's uh, uh, why uh, the, the last man. So basically all the men are dead. Yes and no, yeah. So I have to admit, the show does a very interesting thing here because this is based on a 2000 and I think 2002, might be 2005, comic book by Brian K. Vaughan, who is a very, very well-known American comic book writer. And 
uh, the original series, the original comic book series, has been in development hell for about fifteen years. Mm. Um, originally, David S. Goyer, who is of Foundation fame, was set to adapt it with Shia LaBeouf starring in a fe- feature film, and then that fell apart. And Louis Leterrier, who's this French director, was attached for a TV series for a while. That fell apart. Then, more recently, in twenty eighteen, Barry Keoghan of The Shores was attached to play Y Yorick Brown, the mm. lead character, along with Imogen Poots and Lashana Lynch, soon to be in No Time to Die if that ever comes out. (laughs) Um, And then they all fell apart and now we finally get it. And despite the development hell, I must say I'm finding this very, very interesting. Now, the reason why I'm reluctant to say it's about The Last Man on Earth is because the show is actually, you know, when when the comic book was, was created you know, talking about different identities and trans identities was just not a part of our everyday uh, Mm. parlance, right? And the show makes quite a few bold moves with regard to that because it, you know, it it establishes, it actually introduces this trans man character who doesn't have a Y chromosome. So he survives this global event whereby everybody, every person will say, and every mammal with a Y chromosome just drops it out at, at exactly the same point. Yeah. That mostly leaves uh, I guess cis women alive along with a plethora of other mm. identities. And the show introduces this trans man to show that you know, to acknowledge that we, you know what is a man in 2021? I'll leave that for your listeners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. And it, it, that's Yarick, is it? That's Yarick. Yeah. No, no, that's not Yarick. Yeah. So Yarick is the so Yarick Brown is this escapologist living in New York with his monkey. That Ambersand. makes him sound way cooler than he actually is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. Uh, whose mother is a congresswoman and who, when this global event happens, is after just having a huge fight with his girlfriend. And uh, the story essentially centers around. Uh, well, you know, they actually don't even make him the 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 lead of the story. They kind of diversify the the main thing very much, but it's about him. And his mother, now the president of the United States, and his sister, who's sort of got a separate strand, all basically coming to terms and trying to survive in this new identity and Mm. and this new post-apocalyptic world. And we have a lot of post-apocalyptic, well, we've had a lot of post-apocalyptic worlds prior to this. We've a lot more coming down the pipeline. There's The Last of Us, which is this big comic game, uh, comic book, no, uh, computer game adaptation coming to HBO. Station Eleven, which is about a virus that kills most of the world's population. That's coming down the pipeline. And what I really liked about this was, Despite it going through absolute development hell, I mean, this, there has been no, <laughs> this has had the worst paths to production mm. ever imagined. Each episode in, just got better and better. I've seen about half of them. Oh, right. Okay. And, and it is, each one just improves on the last one. What I liked about it is this is a post-apocalypse I've never seen before, right? Because half the, well, half the world's population is dead and the rest are from uh, from a from a gender where which are, are not usually, you know, uh, in the boardrooms or, uh, or you know, uh, the, mm. the top ranking generals, etc. So they are left to pick up the pieces <laughs> and try and solve and, you know, save humanity uh, or whatever is left of it. And I thought it really tells these quite interesting stories like tiny little stories about about getting on and trying to survive against this huge backdrop of this hugely bizarre event that is uh, because I've read the books I know vaguely where it's going because I haven't read them in about 15 years but mostly I remember what's going mm. on 
I think it has not been as well received as I seem to like it. Oh, all, really? All the critics, yeah. uh, the critics have been middling, and I haven't really seen much chatter, chatter about it online. And I hope people will give it a go. You'll find it on Disney Plus. It, uh, it, it is well, I watched three of the first three episodes. I must say, I thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, it. good, I'm uh, glad. Um, and, and, and I like the fact that Yorick, the 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 the, the only surviving cis man is yeah. total waster uh, that's like he's not a hero yeah. here and he really doesn't want to be I also yeah. thought the politics was really interesting within because all the men died so the line of succession makes Jennifer Brown who was just a congresswoman yes. the president but then all the people a lot of the women who were left were the spouses of all the Republicans yeah, who actually yeah. held the White House and they're, you know, understandably yeah. annoyed about this. So all those kind of politics And I think it well. plays very cleverly as well into kind of like QAnon conspiracyism, right? And 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 what might happen yeah. if this kind of event Because it's unfortunate that like, the president's son is the only man who survived. <laughs> exactly. so. <laughs> and I will say, so, and then they introduce, he, he so Yarek then basically gets teamed up with this agent known as Agent 355, so cool. who is both really cool and... An actress I don't know at all. I've I've never seen her in anything before, mm. but I must say they have excellent chemistry as the episodes go on. Uh, Yarick is played by David or no Ben Snetzer, who who you know is this actor. He the, his biggest claim to fame, I would say, is in the movie Pride about the coal miners, uh, the gay coal. You know the, oh, the yeah. where he plays this Northern Irish guy, Mac, Mark Easton or something. I think was his name. Or he does the most amazing Irish accent you've ever seen for an American to do. And all in all, I just. For me, it was kind of some like to me. It seemed like a good companion piece to the Handmaid's Tale, bizarrely, right? That it, it is this this strange, odd little show about women, right, and about how women react to mm. the apocalypse this time round. But 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 well worth seeking out. And as yeah, has so many kind of contemporary resonances uh, uh, with it. Right. Okay. We'll move on to our third show of the day. It is Midnight Mass. All seven episodes streaming now on Netflix. Here's a clip. Well, I met him last night, of course, at the rectory. We had a lot to talk about, just catching him up on how things work around here. Monsignor just loves him, and I can see why. Lisa Scarborough, Monsignor's told me all about you. He says I'll see you at daily mass, and that it may just be the two of us. Father, Wade Scarborough, my wife, Dolly. Such a pleasure to meet you. Of course, Mr. Mayor, Mrs. Mayor. I am so sorry to surprise you like this. The diocese was supposed to contact you directly. Please call me Wade. Golly, it's such a joy to see a new face. Welcome to the pot. What's left of it anyway? The crock pot. Yeah, well, it's a cute nickname, yeah. But, you know, it's true. We are a melting pot, a grab bag. A piñata, even. (laughs) Keeps getting pummeled with some huge awful stick. (laughs) We sure are glad to add you to the stew. Right, that's uh, uh, Midnight Mass. Now, um, is it a kind of a supernatural thing going yeah. on here? Or? Yeah, so it's it's a, um, it's a spooky spooky drama, right? And it comes from Mike Flanagan, who uh, is this American director who cut his te- teeth on a lot of horror movies and then had this big, big hit for Netflix with The Haunting of Hill House, which was brilliant and, and well worth revisiting, you know, if you're looking for something around Halloween. And then last year they released The Haunting of Bly Manor and I would say that was not quite as well received um, 
even though it tread a lot of the same kind of ground. And then this is actually, <laughs> this is his, uh, the White Lotus, right? He went to Netflix and was like, OK, I can make something on an island during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah, take our money. So this is that, right? Now, it is again a spooky supernatural drama. It's about uh, this, uh, well, the, the main character is played by Zach Guilford, who people will know from Friday Night Lights, where he plays Matt Saracen. And he is this uh, returning uh, son to the island who has spent the last four years in prison after being involved in a drunk driving accident. And he arrives on the island around the same time as this new priest has arrived, this new Catholic priest who we heard in the clip there. He's played by Hamish Linklater, who is this actor who's been in like a million things, but you would never be able to name him. And he is this charismatic young priest whose arrival heralds uh, like miraculous events on the island, as well as some weird bumps in the night as well. And I will say Mike Flanagan is an absolutely like sumptuous visual director. He can create a spooky, scary scene like tableau, like nobody's business. Right. And if you watched like The Haunting of Hill House, it had all of these arresting, terrifying moments. And this isn't going for like arresting, terrifying. It's going for creepy, weirdo stuff. Mm, And I have to admit, the more I got into it, the less enthused I was by it. Right. Because certainly if they had wrapped this all up in four episodes, they'd have done us all a huge favour. But it goes on and on and on and on and then gets increasingly sort of silly and bizarre. I was watching it last night and just started chuckling at like this moment that was supposed to be terrifying (laughs) but was just increasingly silly. So... Yeah, it, it it is a bit disappointing. Now, that's not to say that he, you know, look, I thought about that. This has come out right ahead of Halloween. Like, we're not quite in October yet, but we're going to start getting spooky things. It's, mm. it's that time of year and the days are going to get shorter. But um, for me, it just was plodding and silly. Then it has all these characters who are clearly played by younger actors in aged up makeup. And doing like, you know, oh, I'm so old, moving around, <laughs> acting. <laughs> like so much so that even at the very first, like, you know, I was watching it going, this is bad. Even if you were watching an episode of Glow Up Ireland, this would be like the person in the red chair, <laughs> right? Like it just some very, you know, some very, very poorly conceived decisions, I think, in, in the plot. And But but what I must say about Mike Flanagan are, is that he must be a very, very nice guy to work for because he has, he's a bit like a, a Ryan Murphy. He has this repertory of actors who mm. appear in everything that he's made, uh, including um, Henry Thomas, who is of, of E.T. fame. Oh, yeah. Who has been, I think, in, in everything he's in. So he must be just this nice guy to work for, but uh, I, you know Netflix needs to be a bit more discerning. I think with the projects that they greenlight. Yeah, nice guys finish last. Uh, <laughs> James, thanks a million as ever. James Dempsey, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break after that. The changing of the guard. Moncrief on News Talk, brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.